Hello and welcome to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast for the first episode of the month of June. We have finished the month of May and are now into the summer stretch of motorsports. The 24 Hours of Le Mans is coming up this weekend, so we'll touch on some Le Mans history in today's show. But first, we have questions to ask after this week of racing. Who will win the battle for second in Formula One? With Max Verstappen running away with the championship, can Fernando Alonso give Aston Martin their first win in modern-day F1? Uh, The new Detroit street course in IndyCar proved tricky for the drivers of the NTT IndyCar series, while NASCAR made a stop in St. Louis, and there's some wonder there about part failures. Now, all of this, plus Formula E, even some Indie NXT, otherwise known as Indie Lights, as I like to call it, chat is in today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Rob Peters, and I am in Indianapolis, Indiana, and joining me on the other side of this podcast is Josh Roller in Charlotte, North Carolina. We make up Robin Roller, in case you haven't figured that out yet. I'm Rob, he's Roller. Uh, We are going to go ahead and jump right on in to some of the news with Rob's Racing Report, because that's what we do. That's the first segment of the show. If you are new here, thank you for giving our show a shot this week. So let's go ahead and jump right on into the news and talk about some of the news that happened this past week, because there was a decent amount of news that broke this week that we have to talk about. Uh, We'll start with the news in the Formula One world. Uh, Gunter Steiner has made the news again this week. Uh, and he's got two points. Um, staying with that German, that's, uh, you know, if, if you're a uh, media member listening to this, uh, an IndyCar media member, then you're familiar with Wolfgang, two questions. He always has two <laughs> questions. Uh, and he's, he's German. And now Gunther Steiner, who's also German, he has two points. So uh, he, so here's the first of those points. It says, uh, Gunther and Alfa Romeo met in Monaco but Steiner reports the meeting as, quote, introductory, as it is possible that Alfa Romeo could become a title sponsor for the Haas F1 team once they depart the current Sauber squad. So some possible sponsorship talks uh, going on in Monaco, according to Gunther, and that would be good news for Haas, probably, but uh, it would be a big-time bummer for Sauber because that that Alfa Romeo money's made them... Decent. I mean, Zhao Guan Yu has been having some very quiet but good runs. You know, yeah, Valtteri's not qualifying good, super great, but I'm really impressed yeah, with, with Zhao. Aren't they getting it's Audi going to Sauber, not Porsche, right? I guess. I can't remember. I can't Truth remember what told. Volkswagen brand in two brands. I don't know. Yeah, man, it's it's that's terrible of us. We don't know. I'm sure people in the comments know. I can tell you that. More um, on this later in the show. Uh, we've got more things on Gunther Steiner being upset. He's got uh, mad. He's mad. He was unhappy that Nico Hulkenberg's penalty for causing a collision when overtaking Sergeant Logan Sargent on the first lap of the Monaco Grand Prix, saying, "Quote: F1 is one of the biggest sports in the world, and we still have laymen deciding on the fate of people that invest millions in their careers." Uh, imagine I just said that with a German accent. The stewards said they respected individuals' right to disagree with any of their decisions, but it must be done respectfully. Respectfully. See, that's why I didn't read it in a German accent. I want to be be respectful. Uh, Steiner was then reprimanded promptly. So uh, Gunther Steiner has definitely made the news. He's 
he's been a, a good topic for the news uh, over there in in Europe lately. And, and I did want to interrupt you, but we I actually scrapped the question for this or later in the show. What 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 are you what are your thoughts here? What are our thoughts here? I don't know. I don't think what he said was that bad. I'm gonna have to defer to you here, mm-hmm. uh, because again, I think I mentioned this last week during the show. Um, when when lights went out for the Monaco Grand Prix, I may or may not have been riding a golf cart with Mario Andretti at that time. Well, that's true, but this has really nothing. To, I, I I just I think it, I didn't I, see it. I didn't even see the incident, so I have no. I don't. Input I don't on remember it. the incident myself either. I was just saying, like this whole Boy, thing. We is just, a great, great. Well, I think this here. is more the the concentration more is is not so the incident. It's more so his point on do they need to have full time stewards like every year? We're like, okay, here's the three guys we're going to have. They're professional guys. They're not rotating. Here we go. Kind of like having professional referees in the NBA, even though some might call them not call them very professional lately. Yes, I'm taking a jab at LeBron James. Um, so I, uh, yes, I, I wouldn't know. Uh, I have so, no but, idea what you're talking about. I think it's time. I don't think he said what he said was disrespectful. I think they were but the 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 the. the the stewards were butthurt over being called out for when aren't they exactly um but i guess you know not everyone has the actually written down freedom of speech like certain parts of the world do so yeah i think it's stupid it, I it, think it's it, freedom of speech but not from your employers now, everybody seems to forget that it is they do forget that i think this is over overreaction by the stewards for one um and then uh I do agree with Gunter. I think they need to have full time stewards, someone that 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 are, that are permanent there, that know that that know racing and aren't businessmen, kind of mindset. Would you? Yeah. I mean, do you agree? What would you? Have I mean, I, th- I think you might be right. I mean, I think I think that's true. I mean, I think that would result in definitely a lot more consistent penalties, and I think that's what typically racing series are always out to try and try and get as consistent penalties whenever possible because especially in the world of racing certain things aren't as cut and dry you know yeah blocking is dangerous driving is but sometimes that line between is this avoidable is this dangerous you know sometimes that can be can be blurred a little bit you know and when you start getting really technical about things and people start launching protests and investigations it's just better to be to be consistent and accurate than yeah. inconsistent and I don't know, save money, I guess, or different. I don't know. Uh, next piece of news. Let's let's move on. Let's move on to the next piece of news in the Formula One world. The FIA has confirmed to Racer Magazine, Racer.com, that the application window for new Formula One team entrants has now closed. Now they wouldn't confirm how many entries were submitted, but they will accept as many as they will like. So uh <laughs> How many are they actually going to accept? They're not going to accept Andretti, surely, are they? I mean, Andretti's got to be one of the, if one of the top, if not the top application. So if they don't accept Andretti, let's be honest, something is clearly up. Something's with, fishy. Uh, something's fishy. And uh, the one that was the, that came up from the one guy, he wanted to have like 50% everything. That it just seems more of like a dream than an actual reality. 
Um, if that one gets in and Andretti doesn't, nothing against. I don't have a problem with equality or fairness. You know, you need to hire the best people for the job who are applied for it. Um, I would probably say I'm done with F1 at that point because there's clearly a bias against certain. You parts have of the threatened world. to quit F1 more than Red Bull. <laughs> I don't care. I, I've threatened to quit F1 more than Max, and this would definitely be if if Andretti doesn't be. You, you got to remember Red Bull's threats back in the mid to twenty tens, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, but uh, yeah, absolutely. So I would. I'm just saying. No one else has come up and really said, "Hey, we're interested." So unless there's five silent majority or silent groups of people wanting to get an F1, I don't know, man. Andretti's well, got to get it. You know, as if as if things in F1 couldn't get more ridiculous, this this final piece of news. Mercedes yeah. has been fined 10,000 euros, or the equivalent of $10,700 USD, for a breach of the Parc Ferme regulations relating to Lewis Hamilton and George Russell's physiotherapists in the Spanish Grand Prix. Wow, really, really splitting hairs here, guys. Really, really splitting hairs. First time they get a double podium and win, and then they get fined. Congratulations, Mercedes. Park Fermi is so dumb anyway. Very. I mean, it's, it's just the idea of... I understand the idea of impounding cars and not being able to work on them. But if they're not working on the cars, come on. What are we doing? They're... Well, it's not like there's not 10,000 people watching these cars. No, exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, what are we doing, guys? Come on. Teams aren't even allowed there. They, they have to stand behind a fence. It's not that the, the physiotherapist isn't going to know how to do something. Well, maybe they yeah, might. The dude with a medical degree knows how to fix a car? No, they know how to fix a heart. Maybe not all of them. Not all of them, but. They know yeah. how to fix things that are wrong with your human body, not cars. Like, yeah. what? Uh, okay. Uh, let's talk about some NASCAR news because things couldn't get even more ridiculous. Uh, ben Kennedy told Yahoo's Dan Wetzel, wow, Yahoo's got someone not named Nick Bromberg on the NASCAR beat, uh, that but NASCAR's... <laughs> I haven't seen much of that dude lately. Is he still there? Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not getting credentialed. Probably not. I mean, there's... He goes I mean, to a NASCAR race just to talk shiitake. I, look, I, I'm I I have my negative things to say about NASCAR too, and a lot of the times, you know, I do think that he does make and raise legitimate points. But sometimes I just wonder, like, could you write one positive thing? Like, there are good things happening. Like, there 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 are. I mean, for every like five bad things, there's still at least one or two good things. You know, like that you can you can write about them. And that's it's a possible batting average in baseball. Yes, exactly. Anyway, Yahoo wrote wrote this article from with Ben Kennedy, and he told the uh, the writer Dan Wetzel that NASCAR's quote base will always be standalone tracks. He also said that being able to bring racing directly to the people in Chicago and Los Angeles was something that NASCAR had wanted to do. Now, there's still a lot of you know. <laughs> There's still a lot of crazy stuff going on with the Chicago street race, and we're now less than a month away from it because we are recording this episode uh, June 5th and 6th 
it's Monday night, soon to be Tuesday morning. Um, and like I said, you know, it we 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 are a week we are a week away or a month away, less than a month away from the Chicago Street Race, and you know, I still see reports from Adam Stern and from the Chicago Tribune and from the Chicago Sun Times about this race and the pushback from law or not lawmakers, but like. You know, well, yeah, lawmakers lawmakers and councilmen and residents. Yeah, they're they don't seem very thrilled about this, but this is the thing that's. I just think it's because it hasn't been done in Chicago. You know, I don't think these guys realize that they just did something very similar in Detroit this weekend. Yeah, like I, I I think they're just overreacting. I th- I can see it from both sides. I, I think we, we've talked about this so many times. I think Chicago got taken for a ride. The city of Chicago got taken for a ride. By oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and then you have the mix of, and that's going to upset. If the lawmakers who, who have seen the, uh, you know, they've seen the actual contract, and they're saying we're taking it for a ride, well, they're going to talk smack about it. But if they're saying, oh, wow, this is actually a positive deal for Chicago. We're going to make money. All this is good. They're not going to be talking smack about it. And therefore, the residents aren't going to be as upset. or are not going to have as many upset residents because their lawmakers are positive about it. Look, it happens. Um, I, 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 and I think it is a mix, like you said. It's never, it's never been done there. But, but it's been done elsewhere. It's been done it's been in, done, in cities done the elsewhere. same size as Chicago before. Yeah, absolutely. And... I don't know. I and you, but it, and also play like you have mentioned before that there could you know the 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 area the location was that the best area location for it in reality in downtown Chicago it was probably the only area that was aesthetically and artistically pleasing to do it right and had the land mm-hmm. area to do it. So I think if we're you're looking like. Downtown skyline wise, yeah, hundred percent. If you're okay yeah, with, you're not gonna you hold know, it. You're not gonna hold like, it two miles north of downtown, right? Or two miles any direction of downtown. You're going. You want to have it downtown. So there's a lot of different. I I do think at the end of the day, though, that I don't care how good the racing is. They're not coming back to Chicago in 24. There's I don't no think way. the the I don't think the people will let them, no matter how much of a success it is. Like even if it is a success, even if it makes money for the people of Chicago. I really don't see them letting them come back because I mean it's it, again it's a it they it's a whole new uh, legislation in there too you know the the previous mayor the she got for, voted that was yeah she got she voted got out. yeeted out of Chicago <laughs> so I mean at that point it's kind of like well you I mean they're gonna really have NASCAR is gonna have to work tooth and nail to try and appeal to the people of Chicago and right now they are not succeeding <laughs> they are just not succeeding. Um, and it's one of those deals where, you know, I've, I didn't like it when it was first announced and I was very clear about me not liking it. As time has gone on and, you know, I've now driven and seen the area of Grand Park with my own two eyes, which is something that I had not seen since 2006, seven was the last time I think I was in that area. I, I went to Shedd Aquarium and, and Adler Planetarium over there, um, so that was probably like the last time that I had been anywhere near the vicinity of Grand Park. So to tell you the truth, I didn't remember much of it. And now that I do, now that I have it fresh in my mind, I know what that area is like. I understand why people might be really mad that that area is shut down for as long as it has been. 
and as long as it will be. I get it. I mean, I would hate to lose that that area too. It especially when it it quite literally is a beautiful part of Chicago. Um anyway, uh that's well, well it's just interesting. We'll see where it goes. Um we got two more pieces in NASCAR news to move on to before we start talking about Lamar. So let's get on to this. Adam Stern has dropped some Stern bombs lately, uh, but the biggest one that he's got so far is that FedEx is close to signing a one-year extension with Joe Gibbs Racing and is expected to remain the overall primary sponsor for the JGR number 11 car. Now, a lot of people on Twitter have pointed out just how few times FedEx has been on the car this of Denny Hamlin's uh, this season. Um, and I think a lot of people were genuinely worried that FedEx – might not come back. Well, FedEx um, had some money losses that yeah. this year as well. That um, again, you gotta you have a company. It's like it's why I'm concerned about Bush Light. We all, no one who's listening to this podcast is unaware of the Bud Light controversy. Well, Bud Light's owned by Anheuser Busch. Anheuser Busch owns Bush Light. You lose a lot of money there. They've lost a crap ton of money. I can almost um, guarantee you they're selling more beers that people don't know. Are Anheuser Bush? Oh yeah, I'm sure, but but still, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people don't know they're not, but they're they're losing money. They're reported lost money. So when when a company loses money, they're certainly going to think about, do I want to come back? And also, I think Denny Hamlin's contract with Joe Gibbs Racing is up in 24. So this kind of matches that. And so if the decides not to return. I mean, Hamlin's basically gotten out then. Well, he's got an out, but I don't think he's coming back anyways. Do you think he? Where do you think he goes? Does does he become an owner driver? He just yes. becomes an owner driver then. Yes. I mean, but if Kurt Busch comes back, what are they? <laughs> I don't think Kurt Busch comes back full time. Oh, he's coming back full time. No. Oh, he's coming back full time. I don't think so. Yeah, no, no. That dude wants to come back. He's not going out. He's not. He's you going can go out, out on, his own on your terms. own terms and saying you know, but without saying you know what, I don't want to get hurt again. This. He's been out. He's still recovering, Rob, from a from a concussion that occurred. And Junior still ran one more season. Yes, but Junior recovered from his issue in about the in in le- less amount of time. We're approaching Kurt Busch being out a year. I don't think he's going to want to. I don't think he's going to want to risk it. Going like, okay, well, I'm going to avoid Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta. So those races, I'm not going to do. So therefore, he's not a full time car. I I, I uh, I'd have a hard. I I can't believe he would be okay running part time. I mean, it's already clearly painful for him to be out of the car. Well, that's true, but the but it's also the level of you've got to take your own health into account, your long term health into account. How many? I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but I think I so I think G I think in twenty four we're gonna see. 2311 go to Rick Ware and write a nice check for a charter and say thank I'm you. More willing to sell one now. Huh? Yeah, they might <laughs> be willing to. Probably more willing to sell one now since they, you know, they're probably not going to put Cody back in the car. No. So I think he'll go to Rick Ware Racing, write a nice check to grab a third charter and drive for himself in 25 and beyond. Ah, uh, well. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see who's right. That's the fun part about this show is it's it's recorded and we can always go back and 
You know what I've done before? I have actually done gone back and listened to some of our really early podcasts and tried how to see how, how wrong we were about some of the stuff that ended up happening or not happening. Uh, last piece of NASCAR news here. Uh, okay, 20-minute long news section. Not bad. Not terrible. Um, NASCAR has issued a loss of 120 driver and owner points, 25 playoff points, and a $250,000 fine to the number 14 car in Stuart Haas Racing after NASCAR found a counterfeit part on the number 14 car. Crew Chief Johnny Klausmeyer has been suspended for six races for this counterfeit NACA duck. I have no idea what that is, but I'm sure engineers listening to this show do. Uh, just, it... I think a lot of people were surprised at this. Obviously, this is a massive fine, this massive penalty. But I think it's also a lot of people were kind of laughing because this happened while they were still running at the back the last two races. Yeah. It's not I been mean, a good stretch of run for, for the 14 car. It hasn't been a good stretch of run for short Haas Racing unless you're Kevin Harvick. No, honest. that is the only thing. I mean, I got, I got to be worried about that team after Har- after next year like I, Harvick's Harvick routinely is like the only guy that props up an entire team like he routinely is that like he was yeah. that with RCR and he's that with SHR now as they're struggling yeah like and now here comes Kyle Busch Kyle Busch is at RCR and he's doing basically the same thing that Kevin Harvick did when he was at RCR, elevating a mid-pack team to race-winning contention. Will he ever win a championship? I don't know with that. It took Harvick an entire change of scenery until he got it, got his championship, so... Man, it's I don't know. It's smelling like a Kyle Busch championship in 23, that's for sure. You know, three wins. Three wins will help you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, those playoff points add up at the end. So. They do. They do. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on here to our featured paint scheme. Now, keep in mind, everybody, we've got a, a big, big event coming up this weekend. And in case you don't know, it's the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And, Josh, I find this so funny. I find it so funny because, uh, look, I don't know how much of the NBA Finals you're watching, but apparently it's a lot more than me because you are hot on... No, I don't, I don't watch the NBA. I don't watch the NBA anymore because it's trash basketball, and you can quote me okay. on that. Um, you can take that to the bank and uh, share the wealth with it. Um, I just, I, I, it comes on my timeline, and, and you know, LeBron, everyone's finally getting off the LeBron's the goat thing. Um, I think if you are picking LeBron, I just say that because I think if you're still picking LeBron as the goat, I think you're delusional. So I don't know. I, I've seen, I've seen LeBron play. I never saw Jordan play. I never saw. Bird play. I never saw Magic play, but I saw LeBron play. So you know, my my opinion is not worth much. But I haven't seen those other guys play. Yeah, but you can walk get bad. But you can go back and watch games, and you can. Hey, it's simple, man. Shaq said it. How many times did did Michael Jordan go to the finals? Six. How many times did he lose? Zero. How many times did LeBron go to the finals? I don't know how many times he's been in the finals, but he's lost more than he's won, and he's been swept more than Michael Jordan. Right. This isn't a basketball show, so I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I, 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 my, my beef with LeBron comes with him going to the Heat 
and keeping the play- Pacers out of the out of the final out of the finals. Yeah, that was okay. rough. But then again, I remember that Pacers team had freaking Roy Hibbert. So of course it was. If they even if they'd gone to the finals, they'd probably get get their butts beat anyway. But I actually like Roy Hibbert, but he did not exactly pan out. You know what I mean? Anyway. The the funny part about this is, and this is why I was leading into this. Now we got into this NBA yeah. battle. Yeah. Well, well, you know, look, look, guys. I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna speak to to our listeners real quick. I'm not not to Josh. The only reason I said this is because I didn't realize how hot Josh was on this issue until <laughs> he sent me a reel with Clay Travis. And if you if you know me, if you know me. That is not someone I want to listen to. Like I do not want to. I I do not care for Clay Travis like one bit. And and because he is a polarizing figure, he is one heck of a polarizing figure. So I don't care for him. So when when Josh sends me something like this, I am like, good lord, what did LeBron do now? What in the world did LeBron do to get to get Clay Travis screaming at me about something I couldn't care about? Um. So, but I will say now that we've finally gotten to the point they have named lebron james as the grand marshal for this weekend's 24 hours of lamar now i'm not watching it no i'm just kidding I'm oh kidding. come I'm on I'm not, I'm not taking it that far i'm not taking it that far i'm kidding i'm kidding come on thank you thank you no i it, i think it's funny i it's so random it's so random but he wouldn't be there if he was if he was in the finals. That's the hilarious part. That is a very good point. That is a very, very good point. Hey, LeBron, you couldn't take your team to the finals because you're so good. But here's a consolation prize: you can start the 24 hours of LeBron, Le, Le, Le Mans, a race you probably had never heard of. Maybe, maybe he's never heard of it. Maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe. Maybe they should have made Space Jam 2 with Jeff Gordon instead. Was I still haven't watched Space Jam 2, and I refuse to watch it. I, look, I have a VHS of the first Space Jam. I do, too. Somewhere. But I've never seen Space Jam. Because even as a child, I knew this sucked. And I apologize to everybody who loves Space Jam, but... Dude, I saw Looney Tunes back in action before I saw Space Jam. And Looney Tunes back in action basically told me exactly how Space Jam was going to be. So when I was seven, eight, not eight, eight, seven and eight, when that movie came out, it kind of soured me on ever wanting to watch Space Jam. I don't, I, I don't know if I can finish the recording today. That is some heartbreaking information to hear that you have never watched. <laughs> don't say this. I'm still a '90s kid. I want everybody to understand. I don't know. You might just, you might have to reapply. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I, I now, <laughs> I will have you know. While I was mowing the lawn today, my Spotify algorithm played Nirvana and Hanson back to back. So I think I am a '90s kid. Clearly, just read your driver's license and 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 picked up that you were born in the '90s. I don't know. I'm not okay all right this is this is we're learning a lot about each other today here folks uh, we're trying is... to get to the featured paint scheme of lamont because this was yeah. this was actually a uh a request 
This was a request yes. by one of our listeners, Nick Dawson Lathan, one of my good friends, um, has requested that we do a paint scheme about the 24 Hours of Le Mans featured paint scheme. Um, and I'm actually thrilled to do this. I actually love this. was actually a lot of fun. Um, and it did teach me something. So before I turn things over to Josh real quick, I want to say something that it reminded me because I, I don't know why. But when I was going through all these different paint schemes from Lamar and everything, and I'm going through, and I even, I'm going, you know, going through my own personal memory about this stuff, right? And I start thinking to myself, and I'm like, you know what had a really, really cool livery? Was that all chrome livery that the Delta Wing ran? And then it took me a minute to remember that it didn't run Lamar after 2012 the garage 56 entry in 2012 it did run the full alms series in 2013 and that's where i was remembering it from so when i googled this it came up with it at the petite le mans so of course i'm getting all confused my memory's getting all messed up and finally i just had to look at the results and when i was like okay this is that and then i remembered i was like oh but the Delta Wing from 2012 was just an all-black paint scheme. This sucks. But it's still an objectively cool car. Okay? Like, I I'm sitting here thinking, you know, 10, 11 years ago, like, that was probably one of, if not the first Le Mans that I really tried to, like, watch the entirety of. Um, and ever since then, obviously, I've tried to watch the full 24 hours. I do the same with Daytona, but I just remember very vividly that 2012 uh, Le Mans because it was a big, 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 big week, weekend in racing. It had uh, the NAS Cup Series was in Michigan. I remember Cup Series was in Michigan because they were cut away for Michigan qualifying. And I know, I know, you're looking at me for time. Uh, and and then when they, uh, I remember too because on the Saturday race I was uh, or the Sunday race. Right after the race ended on Sunday, uh, the IndyCar race from Milwaukee started. Mm. And, and that was when uh, Ryan Honoré won that, and it was like a big deal and everything. So let see how, how our memories go. But, um, you know, let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about the 24 Hours of Le Mans. This is, this is kind of our big Le Mans show because it's coming up. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're kind of previewing this show, so I don't really feel that bad, you know, maybe blowing some extra time reminiscing about the summer classic, um, but why don't you go ahead, look at this, so your standout 24 hours of the Le Mans paint scheme, best livery that you can find, Josh, tell me all about this livery, and everybody for listening at home, go ahead and Google these things, so that you can see what we're talking about, because they're not available on JSKI, obviously, they're not available anywhere else, so you gotta go, go Google them. Josh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be the first one to admit, I, I'm, not a, I'm not the biggest sports car fan. Um, I don't, I, part of it is, I, right off the bat, I'm not a big time race guy. But, uh, you know, I obviously respect there's a lot of great sports car races out there that have taken place. I've discussed some of them on this show in the past with um, featured racetracks and whatnot. Um, and, and therefore, I'm not a huge... 21st of Le Mans. So I really, this is really kind of an education for me. I was like, okay, well, let's look at some paint schemes. You know, what, what what's out there? And I kind of wanted to go classic. 
and um, I didn't want to pick something more modern. I wanted to go to something classic. First off, I will say, if I had to, this is a standout. My favorite, obviously, is, look, the Ford schemes. It's hard to beat that, right? It, it's hard. Um, but I felt like that was too cliche, too obvious, and it's not really a standout one to me. Um, but this one, you probably could say, Josh, it's the same thing. Well, why are you, why are you going with this one? I'm going with the Porsche, uh, 962C driven by Mario, Michael, and John Andretti. And the 88 24 Hours of Le Mans, it was Shell sponsored. Um, I actually think, uh, now that I'm saying this, Joey Logano ran some sort of tribute scheme to a sports car with a Shell sponsorship in either Darlington or Charlotte one time. This year? No, the not this year, in the past. In the past. Oh, okay. In the past couple of years. Um, as part of the throwback or like a tribute scheme at Charlotte or something like that. I can't remember where. Um, but I don't know if it was this one or another one. To be to be quite honest, I don't remember. Now this is just now popping into my head. But you know, obviously the yellow, the white, and the red, it just it just pops on a car. It's very noticeable when I'm looking at some of these Lamas schemes. They're not very Again, I didn't go through every single one that's been raced in let's say the last fifty years. Uh, but you, you, that would have been a lot. Know, that, that's a lot. But this one was what popped to me. It stood out. So, you know, I wrote standout 24 hours of Le Mans paint scheme before I even picked this one. So I said, well, that one stands out to me. And, uh, you know, the shell schemes always do that, uh, typically. Um, and, and, and historically, they do anyways. So, yeah, I picked that one. Uh, they finished sixth in the overall in the race, so that was a solid day for the Andretti trio. And um, it's hard not to to pick a shell scheme, or it's hard not to pick one where three Andrettis raced it. Am, am I wrong, Rob? Yeah, or, no kidding, right? Yeah, I, what, what's I, yours? Uh, okay, so there's people who are sports car fans, people who are fans of Le Mans, probably going to be like, oh my god, you picked the cliche, the the most cliche one. How did the guy who doesn't watch sports cars pick something that's less cliche than you? In my defense, this is probably my favorite looking race car of all time, period. Like, period. Okay. This might be the greatest looking race car that I have personally ever seen. Now, I saw a vintage car just like this run, um, or it very, at least one painted to look like it. Um, during one of those um, vintage race weekends at, at IMS and you know the SVRA, um, but uh, this the nineteen ninety one Mazda seven eighty seven B driven by Volker Wiedner, Johnny Herbert, and Bertrand Gauchot. The car is the famous Renault sponsored orange and green Mazda prototype that won overall in nineteen ninety one. And if you are a sports car fan, you would know exactly what car I'm talking about. If you are not a sports car fan, I highly, uh, I highly recommend. Right now, you go to Google and just type in Renault Mazda. Just do it. Do it right now. You will not regret it. It is a, it is a beautiful race car. It is an absolutely beautiful race car. I love this car. Um, and and again, like I said, I, I it might be cliche. It might be kind of pointless, but. When I think of Lamar recently, this is the car I think of. This is this is it. 
you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the recent Audis, the Porsches, all those are beautiful. Even your choice, Josh, has been beautiful. Uh, the Golf libraries of, of, of the past, you know, those are beautiful. Those are iconic. You, like you mentioned, the Ford libraries. Um, you know, the Hurley Haywood. You know, the Hurley Haywood livery, those were iconic in and of themselves. But golly, that monster's just something else. All right. That one definitely so, does stand out. out oh, I know. It does. My favorite thing, too, and this is going to sound bizarre, and this is the perfect bizarre way to launch us into upshift, downshift. Um, I have... I guess the company Renone makes um, makes urinal cakes. So yeah. whenever I use a public bathroom and I see a urinal cake with that logo on it, <laughs> I think about the car the entire time. <laughs> that car the only thing in my mind the entire experience this is like the, this is like the third show in a row you you've mentioned urinals you know that rob yes this, this Roger needs record. to get rid of the troughs and i will say it till the day i die you know that they make the media at the pc 39 use those freaking troughs josh they stick us in a dryer and reinbold uh tour bus or whatever or hauler mobile hauler that's cramped uh and i could barely ever you know work on my laptop uh and it doesn't have bathroom in it so i got i gotta go all the way to the public bathrooms and go use my urinal while you use the troughs and it's the only time at ims that they make the media use the troughs and you know what i should be happy i should be thankful you know i get to go to these races, I get to cover them and everything. But man, I am trying to not get splashback on my khaki pants. This makes it hard. Okay? Makes it hard when there's troughs involved, guys. All right. Before I lose all the female listeners, let us go into the dubshift downshift. Um, because this is our fun, fun show. Now, we had actually, we did actually have a. Uh, Couple of people participated last week. A lot of people were were indeed just like Josh. You and I were we were very very passionate last week about how the Indianapolis 500 ended. Um, and I saw on Twitter that there were a lot of other people that also were very passionate about this. So uh, remember, you can play along as well. You you have just as much of an input on these answers as we do. So upshift means you agree. Downshift means you disagree. We're talking about hypothetical questions and or statements here. So let's get started off with the first one. Portland International Raceway, the host of the Xfinity Race Weekend this weekend, uh, is worthy of a NASCAR Cup Series race. Do you upshift or downshift this statement, Josh? Uh, I downshift. Um, I think it's... Yeah, I, 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 I'm okay with it being in the Xfinity or truck calendar, uh, certainly the ARC calendar. I don't think it's worthy of a cup day. I think if the cup wants to go to the Pacific Northwest, they need to find somewhere else. Um, and also, I think the pit road isn't big enough to host uh, a potentially 40-car field. So, um, with live pit stops anyways. So, um, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe, I could be wrong. I, I, might be, I could be wrong on that. But I don't still think it's worthy of a cup series date at this time. Uh, however, as I say this, this horrible, horrible thought has popped in my head. Auto Club's replacement. Well, you know what, Josh? I gotta be honest with you. Um, I 
I upship this. I, I like Portland. I think it's a great little racetrack. I think the racing in the Xfinity Series was great. I think when they ran the Truck Series there in the late 90s, the racing was great. Um, the Champ Car race is there. The Indy Car race is there. All classics in and of themselves. Obviously, whether or not the track is up to Cup Series standards, that's debatable. But whether or not the track, I think, is worthy of a Cup date, I think it is. I mean, first and foremost, I mean, you got to get those. They have a Cup cup cars. When was the last time Cup cars went to the Pacific Northwest? I mean, you've probably listed it in one of your featured seasons, and it probably goes back to, like, the 40s or 50s, right? When it was actually hard to travel out there for most of the the drivers. I mean, my guess it was probably the 50s or 60s. I can't think of a race they've been out there in the in the in the seventies. No, see exactly, exactly, and that's why I'm sitting here thinking it's time. It's time. I think there's a market there. I genuinely do think there's a market there. I mean, the IndyCar crowd is pretty solid, and the crowd there for an Xfinity race is very solid. Um, I think it's worthy. I think it could be done. Um, again, logistically, you might run into some issues, but yeah, why not? Uh, let's let's move on to the next question here. Remember, uh, you can tweet your answers. Tweet your answers at us. Hashtag Robin Roller at rpeters33 at roller underscore zero one. Next question. Carson Hosevar will be in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series in 2024. Do you upshift this or downshift this, Josh? Uh, I downshift. I think he's going to either be in the Junior Motorsports number 8 Chevrolet or driving for... Uh, Spire Motorsports in the Xfinity Series in 2024. Uh, one of the two. Um, I think it's kind of the, the worst kept secret at this point that Josh Berry is probably going to Stewart House Racing. That's going to leave a, vacay, uh, a vacant seat at Junior Motorsports. Um, and I think Carson Hosevar is, is probably the best candidate for that. Um, and again, if it's not then he's going to be driving for Spire full-time in the Xfinity series. So no, I don't think he'd be in trucks and downshift. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to downshift this as well. I, I, the, the more and more I see it, the more and more I just think that trucks is, is stalling a lot of people's development. Um, I think the biggest problem Carson Hosevar has right now is number one, he's way too aggressive. And number two, he doesn't really know how to control a race. He doesn't have the patience and he hasn't learned how to control a race. In or that like you need to in order to lock in and secure multiple victories. Like he's had plenty of opportunities to win races, but he just he constantly screws up when it's down to crunch time. And that's not necessarily his fault. I mean, it is, but it's one of those things where if he's doing it more often, like I think he would be doing in the Xfinity series, I think he would learn better patience and better because again those races are a little bit longer not so much longer but a little bit longer stage stages are usually a little bit longer at least you know i think it'll teach him the right patience i think it's it would be really it would be more beneficial for him to spend spend t- more time in the Xfinity series as is the case for basically everybody uh, <laughs> let's be honest um yeah no i downshift it i think i think he's He's got to fill someone, someone, some Xfinity team's got to be, got to be looking for him for next year. All right, uh, let's move on to this next question here. The dominance by Max Verstappen will wane on the American audiences. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? Oh yeah, I think it's, I think it will eventually uh, upshift. Um, I think he's probably very popular here because he's very brass. He's very in your face. 
straightforward, kind of an a-hole. Americans like that. I I, I think they do. Uh, But I do think eventually there's only so much drive to survive can uh, try to avoid this or try to like, hey, there's more to this series than Max Verstappen in Red Bull winning all the time and Checo getting a win here and there. Because that comes out every February, and you're going to binge watch. But if you're like me, Rob, you've never seen it. But if you're like me, you're probably going to binge watch it in, you know, three days or so. And uh, there goes that blip, because it quite literally is a blip, a blip of non-Red Bull in your face. So between releases of the seasons... You got to go through 24 races worth of, you know, Red Bull winning 20 races, and Max is probably winning 18 of them. You know what I mean? I just, yeah, I think the dominance will eventually wane, and, and what you're going to be left with is just a bunch of rich people going to F1 races who are interested in it, and a bunch of foreign, uh, tour. I guess they're all tourists, but foreign tourists coming into the country going to the races instead of actually domestic fans going to the races so aside from maybe coda but for sure miami and las vegas well i uh, to, to piggyback off what you just said i i definitely think miami and las vegas are their day their 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 days on the f1 grid are numbered like there there will come a time where people are not going to shell out money to go see it formula one will stop being a fad now Will Max Verstappen's dominance kill it? I don't think Max Verstappen's dominance. I just think dominance in general is going to kill it. Um, I think what you had was you had a lot of people in, you know, 2019, 2020, you know, stumble upon Drive to Survive. And, you know, those were relatively interesting championships. I mean, Hamilton... You know, Hamilton dominated, but Verstappen was there. You know what I mean? Verstappen was still there. You had Ferrari and Red Bull with the opportunities to win. You had more more competition. It might have been still Hamilton winning, but there there was more competition. Yeah. I think what you've got now is, especially after 21, just that. I mean, love it or hate it. I mean, it made for good, good TV, I'm sure, right? Yeah. I mean, so exactly. Um, But I I feel very strongly that a lot of the people that that got into F1 for this reason are are going to have – again, I still think it's going to happen. It's going to happen. If it doesn't happen at the end of this season, it's going to happen next season. There's going to be a lot of people who are just going to fall out of love with F1 because they're they're not – they expect it to be something it's not. They expect, and I think the they same thing is. I'm sorry. No, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go you go ahead. ahead. I think you you were about to add a good point. They, they're there for the show and and, and the glitz and the glamour. That's what Drag to Survive sells you. Mm-hmm. That's not 
it doesn't matter how how expensive your 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 shoes and your pants and your cardigan is. As no, that ain't gonna help you perform on track. You know that's and and I get it. That's that's I don't I don't even know how I I I, I guess. I can't ever picture myself in my life because I just can't do. I, I just can't see myself being that way. But I know most people probably do in in some capacity. Um, even though the the reality is they ever will. But the reality of the sport is the sport is one on the track, mm-hmm. not in a photo shoot, not in a funny game being played with your teammate. And I think that's what they're caught up in, and they're missing yeah. the reality of it. Whereas. I think when you look at NASCAR's version attempt to last year with NBC, it, it went beyond that and it, and it showed more of the competition and the realities of it instead of the glitz and glamour and the. Have you ever watched in the Hundred Days to Indy? Have you even watched that? I have not watched it, and I kind of want to watch it this week now that my life has settled down. I. Any- I don't know. <laughs> I don't get the CW. Oh, okay. Well, so I can't. I can't. I can't even DVR it. That's that's really awful. I have. Is it not on Peacock? Have, it's it's the CW, dude. The CW has the rights to it. That was the only people that they could get to sell the rights. It was Vice Media, which just declared for bankruptcy. BT Dubs. Wait, 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 wait! You're telling me NBC was not interested in even putting this as a show on. No, they had to sell it to Vice Media, and Vice Media sold it to the CW, which is the same place where you can watch Live Golf. Golf fans know how bad that is. Oh, gosh. I did not yeah. realize that. But that's, okay, good job. Good job, Penske Entertainment. I'm done. Don't get me wrong. The, the, the production quality of the show is actually really good. From what I have seen... The show was, was solid. Yeah, it's really good, but... Execution. You gotta get out the audiences. All right, I'm gonna go back to the main point of this. Yeah. The main point that I wanted to make was that the the current F1 audience is not gonna take to Verstappen winning every race, and they're not really being any competition very kindly. Um, the people that do are those same people that watched McLaren dominate the 80s and 90s, watched Schumacher dominate the late 90s and early 2000s, and watched Vettel dominate the late 2000s, early 2010s. Okay? And then Hamilton dominate the late 2010s. Everybody who watched F1 during that time period, okay, understands that for every good season, there's going to be at least a dozen awful ones. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Like for 2008 was fun. 2009 okay, it was only cool because Jensen Button and Rubens Barrichello were winning. Outside of that, let's be honest, there was nobody was touching those bronze. 2010 through 2013, every single race was just Seb Vettel hot lapping. It that was it. Yeah. You watched turn 1 and then it was over. And the only time it got interesting was when Weber wanted to win some. That was that was it. That was it. All right. 2016. That was fun. But that was between Hamilton and, and Rosberg. And once Rosberg won, he said Sayonara, I'm not even gonna bother to defend my title. And left. And then we got twenty one. So literally, again, for every great season, 
there's always going to be a bunch of duds in between there. Like, it takes everybody a while to catch up with the new regs. And then once everybody catches up with the new regulations, right before they change it, the competition gets really close, really tight. And then once they change the regulations, one team figures it out better than everybody else. That team dominates for however long it takes everybody else to catch up. And then once everybody catches up, then rinse and repeat. In the 80s, it was McLaren who did this. In the 90s, it was Ferrari. In the 2000s, it was Ferrari. And then in the 2010s, it was Red Bull. And then later, Mercedes. Red Bull figured it out with the diffuser. Mercedes figured it out with the V6. Ferrari figured it out with the V10s. It's just how it is. Just how it is. And these people who are watching F1 now do not realize that yet. So, yes, it, the boom is going to go away. The bubble is going to pop, and people are going to turn off. And I, I don't know if it's specifically because of Max Verstappen, but dominance in that, to that degree... Yeah, it's going to turn people off. Next question here. Uh, the new IndyCar street circuit, uh, uh, the new IndyCar street circuits of Nashville and Detroit being so narrow are a negative for the series. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I'm going to take a, I don't, I don't know how much of a, of a platform I have to stand on uh here and or maybe you know the, the tiles have fallen away on this one and i'm standing on maybe a single one but i'm gonna i'm gonna say i, I agree i think they are a, a negative so i upshift i think there's so much competition and these cars are so able to race unlike an f1 car they need more room they need the ability to kind of in theory have two cars be able to go side by side through a corner without one smashing into the outside barrier or one smashing their inside tire if you will to in, in, into the the uh the barrier at the apex right i think I, I i do think they need to be looked at you know look at long beach and there's a lot of room for the most part on that on that course for st petersburg i think again for the most part there's a lot of room but when i look at nashville and i look at the new detroit circuit there's not as much, and I, I just I think that's a negative for how well these cars race. Whereas, you know, let's flip the script at Azerbaijan. The course is narrower. They have approximately this three quarters of the size of a field as any car, but the cars are more spread out just because of the nature of the series. So I don't again I don't know how much people will agree with that, but I do think if you're any car, if you're going to have new street courses, you need to have wide corners, room to have a little bit of runoff, room for cars to avoid collision. I think that's key. I really do. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it's it's a negative for the series necessarily. I'm going to downshift this. I don't really think it's a negative. The, the way... Detroit was kind of just boxed in here, okay? They 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 wanted to run around the Renaissance Center. Um, but it's just the, the, the streets around there are, are, are tight. You know, even yeah. in the original Formula One course, those streets were tight. 
and it was criticized by the drivers for just really being too tight, too narrow, the track being terrible, like the surface being terrible, the surface coming up, the surface crumbling. Um, and IndyCar tried to make it work for a couple of years, but ended up not, and they moved to Belle Isle. Belle Isle worked out better. But now they can't go to Belle Isle anymore, and let's be honest, Belle Isle wasn't even that great either. I mean, Belle Isle crumbled all the time. Belle Isle it's, wasn't that great, but it was wide. It had a lot of room. But it was wide, you're right. But, but I mean, and the thing about this is, I think I think it's less to do with the narrowness of the circuit and more to do with the just the track surface. I think what, 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 the problem that you're doing here is, especially in street circuits, in street circuits where the weather can get really extreme in both the winter and the summer months. All right, now that just does a a massive number on pavement. And on asphalt and, you know, whatever you've paved it with. Concrete. And I think what we saw on Sunday was just the result of of the track, the, 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 surf, the overall surface just being way, way too slick. Uh, and just not being really good. Um, and, and you, you kind of listen. I listened to, uh, or I didn't listen to, I read the transcripts from the press conference. And it was really interesting to see how how the driver's attitudes towards the surface changed. And, you know, Palo was very, Alex Palo was really critical of it earlier in the weekend. But by the time the race was over and he had won the race, he was like, you know, I expected this race to be awful. I expected it to be really, really tough. But he was like, by the end of the first stint, the, race, the, 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 the surface started to get pretty good. It started to get pretty grippy. And then things started to get better. Obviously, cautions breed cautions, so once one full-course yellow comes out, they're all going to come out, especially later in the race. People are going to start getting desperate and stuff, so things are going to get hard from that standpoint. But I think, I think you can do narrow street course, because it works at Long Beach. Okay, Long Beach, I, th I think we forget just how tight that fountain section is. That's one it's little section, whereas the rest, there's more so room... I, I, I respect that. Yeah. But we don't necessarily see but I mean that could be problem at that. I mean it's it's a tight section. It's a tight section. I mean but drivers are still able to navigate it. Drivers are still able to, to navigate it and there are still other locations on that track, yes, that are wider that you can that that, that you can pass on. And, but the, and the same can be said for Detroit in all honesty. I mean, yes, some of the the latter portion of the track is really, really tight. But like that first, you know, the the turn three, um, into on the back stretch into turn four, that, you know, that's actually pretty wide. Uh, well, yeah, and and well, then three four is a decent. It, it's a decent sing zone. So I mean, I think when you get into that point, the the tightness of the circuit doesn't necessarily matter if the grip is there, if the drivers can corner. When it becomes a problem is when the track is just too slick because then there's no room for error. If you get out of the groove for any reason and and there's just no grip there, then you're on the wall because it's so tight. You know, but if there's grip there, you can make it work. You know, it's 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 no big deal. So the biggest problem they're going to have, and a lot of the drivers too said this in in the press conference was just if they repave this circuit, it would be fine. Like this, they would not have a problem with the narrowness or anything. If they just repaved this circuit, gave it a little bit more grip, 
Maybe make the, uh, the, the pavement not come up as much. It'd be fine. It'd be perfectly fine. So I, I have to downshift this. I think that it's more, it has more to do with the surface than it does with the actual tight confines of the track. Does that make sense to you at all? I respect that opinion. Okay. Okay, that's fair. I'm, just, I'm basing my opinion exclusively off of what the driver said. So I am, I am listening to what the driver said, and I am, I am making my own conclusion based upon what I watched. Because I did watch practice. I did watch qualifying. So I did see how crazy stuff got and could get. You know, the, I mean, guys were throwing on alternates earlier, early in the stints for qualifying because they were so afraid that a red was going to come out. So they wanted to get their banker lap in first. Like that that's how that's how crazy it was getting. People were literally expecting sessions to be red flagged, so they were trying to get quick runs in first. Just I I think it's I think it's more the more the more the surface. Alright, I'll move on to the next one here. Uh four brake rotor failures at Worldwide Technology Raceway and Gateway in the Cup Series race is concerning. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? Uh I'm gonna downshift. Um, I know four seems like a lot. That's one ninth of the field that had an issue. Um, some quick maths. Yeah, twenty three eleven was team that had issue. Spire and Legacy were the other two. Um, I think a lot of it was probably more driving style. Maybe you had a little, you know, what, what, the brakes were set up. I don't remember this being an issue last year. Uh, with with the cars, I'm not concerned about it because it's also the first time we've had an issue with it this year. This isn't a repeated issue. Obviously, we don't like to see brake rotors bursting and guys crashing. We don't. That's that's not how we want. I how do I say this? I enjoy the issue because it adds a layer of okay, you know these guys were on two tires. You got to watch it now. The less grip, you're having to use more brake. Um, and it's it's providing natural cautions instead of just two stage cautions, right? So I enjoy that aspect. Obviously, I don't want to see anyone get hurt, but I enjoy that the the parts failure aspect. And again, it's one race. We have not seen this happen on a regular basis anywhere. I, I'm pretty sure you could say, Josh, this guy had a break had a brake rotor failure at such and such race in 2022. I'm sure you could. And I'm sure it did happen. But I'm not, it's not, it's not raising the alarm with me. And I'm sure they could all go back and say, you know what, yeah, we got this wrong, or the two tires was what did us in. You know, so I'm not worried about it. I, I, I downshift. Uh, this one's tough for me, but I, I am going to have to upshift it, that it is a bit concerning to me. Um, I understand where you're coming from, fully do. Fully, 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 fully do. But it's one thing to have these thing these brake rotors fail at a place like Gateway. Where they're not necessarily going at top speed. My concern the reason why I'm concerned about this specifically is because I'm I'm worried about when they get to some of those bigger tracks like Pocono. You know, they talked about a lot of those accidents being reminiscent of Pocono. You know, I 
I I know last year's Pocono race was fine. Didn't have that problem. But that would be where my concern would come. You know, what if if we had four of these types of failures at Gateway? Or will we have another when we get to Pocono? You know, is that is that a concern? You know, that that is my my thing. I hope not. I hope that it was just, you know, a one-time thing. Um, you know, or that this was just something that teams would go back and fix. You know, maybe four teams were, you know, being a little bit more, I guess, haphazard with the brake rotors this week for some reason or another, and this was the consequence. You know, maybe that that's what it was. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but but to ask if I am concerned, yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, I'm going to upshift that. Yeah, I think I think I am concerned, but. You know, I'm willing to understand that there might not be that much of a large cause for concern, but still that, you know, in the back of my head, you know, it's there. When we get to Pocono, I'm going to be thinking about this. You know, I'm going to be thinking about this, and I'm going to be hoping that this doesn't happen going into turn one, and we don't have some kind of brake road or fail right, right when guys are, you know, about to hit 190 mile an hour. That's where that's my take on that. So, all right, we will uh, move on here into the next question. Uh, Yuki Sonoda was given a penalty for por- forcing Zhao Guan Yu into turn one in the Spanish Grand Prix. Do you upshift or downshift this penalty, Josh? Mm, this one's tough, but I felt like that was, in my opinion, I felt like it was Yuki's corner. Um. And therefore, I think the penalty was unjust. More to Gunther Steiner's point earlier in the show. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of, kind of got to, kind of got downshift this one. Um, I know some people might see it differently, but I kind of, for me, I think that I, I think uh, Yuki kind of got the raw end of the deal on that one. I. Um... Give me one minute here, Josh, because as I am, I am going to go ahead and uh, watch the first corner here and keep, because I have to refresh my memory here of this real quick. So I'm, I am quite literally, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to upshift that penalty. Yeah. I think it's it's a it's a tough racing deal. Here's I'm the thing. Watching Here's it back thing. over and over again. Here's the thing. Right here. I'm going I'm going I'm going to go to another one of our, our former professors favorite people, Colin Cowherd. Colin okay. Cowherd had a had a really great opinion on NFL flags. He says, if, you, if you're looking at something, you go, and you ask yourself, could that be roughing the passer? If you say might be, don't throw the flag. If it's the only time you should throw the flag is if you are 100% certain it's a flag. So to me, if you're going, I don't know, like, nope, it's good. That's, that's the way I take it. You know what? And that's, that's entirely a fair, a fair point. I think that's a fair way to look at it. And... You know, maybe 
like we talked about earlier in the show, maybe having some consistent stewards in the booth and you know would would probably help make those decisions a little bit easier. Uh oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I gotta look at this one more time. This is still There he goes. Yeah, it not nah, it it was Zao's I mean not excuse me, it was Sonoda's corner. I can kind of see it now. Okay. Let's move on to the next one here. Uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, which I love saying, um, is beginning to demonstrate that most markets are better suited to have a single NASCAR event. Do you upshift or downshift? You know, I, I, I got to upshift. I think this, yeah, this uh, selfishly put this one on here, but I think it just goes again. I think it's just, it's good. One event, bring everyone. I know the Xfinity Series wasn't there. One event, bring everybody. And um, give that local market a great show. You know, I think when you're seeing some of these tracks, like like a gateway that is having a has having good success, where the promoter can say, "Let's make this show. Let's make this weekend. Let's put all our eggs in." You know, obviously they have IndyCar weekend, right? I understand that, but when you're talking about NAS, one particular series. You throw kind of all your eggs for that series or that sanctioning body into one basket instead of two. I think that's, I think you're kind of able to serve, especially in today's world, right? And it's why I'm such a big proponent of one of Kansas' dates. I'm sorry, Rob, going to Iowa. I, I think if you could, you can easily replicate the success that Gateway is having in Iowa with the Cup Series and bringing truck and or xfinity up there with them too so i i I think what they're doing is really really good you know there there are some tracks that deserve two dates daytona charlotte bristol martinsville are probably the ones that deserve two dates in my book really still not saying talladega are you you i can't get you to say it can i I cannot, and I, I, I would say Talladega race away from me. I will die. I will would probably say Talladega would probably, if you chose five or six, would probably be a fifth or sixth track. But yeah, I, I think I'm just going with the four obvious ones. Dude, Talladega starts and ends the summer, basically. Okay, in my opinion, when the first Talladega comes around, that means it's spring. It's springtime. October is still Happy. summer. It's usually still warm by that point. Yeah, Early man. October. Because it's yeah. my birthday. It usually takes place on my birthday. October, around October 5th. And I actually, I love that. Actually, if you take away Talladega on my birthday, Josh, I am going to be so Come mad. Come on, they're going to leave the Talladega playoff race. Chill, man. They're going to leave the That's Talladega. my favorite thing in the world. That is my favorite thing in the world when Talladega falls on my birthday. And I still remember in 2006... I thought Casey Kane was going to win at Talladega on my birthday, and they had to just throw the yellow flag and give it to Brian Vickers. They should have let him race back, because if they let him race back, Casey Kane would have won. I will allow Talladega to have two dates if you watch Face Jam. Fair deal. Okay, there you go. Deal. All right. Anyways, I, I, I got. I just got to upshift this. I think. I think it's just concentrate your eggs onto that into one basket there and. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with uh, 
with Gateway. I think Gateway's knocked it out of the park two years in a row. It's a shame that weather kind of affected this year's start. Um, and uh, they seem to have a, I mean, they had another sold out crowd. They had a great crowd there. So we're good to see. You know, my take on this is I don't necessarily know if it means that most markets are. I don't... Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mean, it's not completely far-fetched to say that putting one race in a unique location is always better than putting two races in a traditional location. Um, I think, you know, in your, in your point, like, again, I never mind Kansas having two dates, but I can completely understand why some people would prefer to go back down to one. And, you know, I, I totally get that. There's probably a better place that we can go on the schedule that would be, would be perfectly fine and perfect, a lot better. Um, that being said, also, I will say that, uh, you know, I think that there's, there has been an increase in attendance at certain tracks, you know, uh, that have gone down from one to two date or two to one dates. I think Poconos had some really solid crowds. This, the crowd at Michigan last year was massive. Yep. Um, even with the rain, it was still huge. I mean, I don't think it was a sellout, but I want to say that m- most was, of the grandstands uh, had almost every butt in a seat. Um, and that's good. That's good. Uh, so, New Hampshire's also seems to have benefited from it as well. Of course, they took out a bunch of seats, but so did everybody else. Um, you know, I. But I also think that there's there's still sites out there that literally can support two races. You know, I we, we just talked about it. Talladega. I mean, Talladega will probably still sell out. Like, you give people an opportunity to go watch Talladega race, they will probably take it. They'll jump at it. You know what I mean? It's it's a big deal. It, it it it's I, I don't know how to describe Talladega. Like it's it's so weird because every time I think about this track and, and this race, I like when it's next week, when it's the week it's it's like the next race, I always think, Oh, this is gonna be a crap show. You know, this is gonna be awful. This is gonna be a joke, this is gonna be a disaster. But then as soon as it's over, I'm like, Can't wait for next year. Can't wait for the next race. Can't wait for the next Talladega race. Like, I don't know why that is. I don't. I, I genuinely don't know. But I'm like that now. My point is, my point is, because I haven't really gotten to my point. There's nothing, there. Th- I don't necessarily think that the success of Gateway is, is determinant of how other markets are. Because I, I think... There's some markets that probably could sustain two races that probably have never had the chance to, you know. Um, in, you, in a lot of cases, you'd never know un, un, until you tried. Uh, and maybe it could be more money for NASCAR. Maybe it could be more, more money for the track. You know, you never know. But we're not I – don't, I don't think we're in that – I don't think NASCAR is in a position to try that ever again. I, I, I think the days of a track – receiving two dates is behind us i think going forward you're gonna see like we said i probably kansas lose a date um i don't know maybe maybe well we'll see we'll see what else who else ends up ends up having two dates probably just kansas um but we'll see you know we'll see like bristol bristol's a weird unique thing 
where I have no idea if the dirt race is actually successful. They say it is. They say it is. But I pref- I would still prefer to see Bristol on the asphalt because I just think that's a better show. Bristol on the asphalt is always a better show. Now, I can't answer the question of why are people not coming to Bristol? I can't answer that. If I lived there, I would be going there every week, every every time. But, you know, hey, we're going to put we want to put a cup race in Nashville now, too. You know, we got to start asking ourselves those hard questions. Like, what happens when we put this cup race in Nashville? You know, that's the biggest question. You know, do we still go to Bristol twice or do are we worried about the Tennessee market having too many races? I mean, these are things that are going to have this. Is, these are things that are going to come up. And I just don't think that once the success of Gateway is is determinant of any of that. Does that make sense? Fair point. Okay, cool. Um, I know that was a long way to, to go on about it, but I just wanted to make sure my point was, was clear. Uh, next question here. Uh, this is the third to last question. A rivalry with Alexander Rossi will hurt Felix Rosenquist's chances of returning to Arrow McLaren in 2024. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I kind of got to upshift this one, right? Uh, you know, McLaren went out there and got Rossi, right? That was kind of Zach Brown's, like, I want that guy. Stolen from Andretti. Andretti's exceptionally bitter about that. Rosenquist, is he coming back next year? Polo? Do they open up a fourth team? I think Zach Brown is pretty solid on keeping, you know, Pottawa Ward and Alexander Rossi and the McLaren family, right? Someone tell me I'm wrong. I don't think I do not think Felix Rosenquist having a beef with either of his teammates, in particular Alexander Rossi, is going to work out in his favor at all. So I kind of upshift. I think if Rosenquist has got to straighten up with with Rossi rapidly. I think Rossi's frustration after the race where he basically just told, I think it was Dave Burns talking to him, that kind of says, we'll deal with this internally, says everything you need to know. And Rosenquist was, sounded like the White House press secretary trying to backtrack actions and what had been said previously. It was a very cringe interview. So, Felix Rosenquist, does he return next year? Eh... Yeah, I, yeah, right now I'm going with no. Lost season left, but he's got to straighten up rapidly. You know, my take on this is going to be very different because I, well, not necessarily too super different. Not not too different. I do think he's still in the hot seat. He's been in the hot seat since the start of the season. They went out and got Rossi because McLaren knows what what Rossi can do and they want what Rossi could bring. They want an Indy 500 winner on their team. You know, that clearly brings sponsorship. Obviously, having Tony Kanan brought sponsorship. So they want, they're, they're not going to, like, mess any of that up. But at the same time, <laughs> uh, you know, they are getting Alex Polo next year. Now, they've talked, but they talked, they, but now Zach Brown did say, hey, we're op- if the sponsorship's there, we can run a, full, a fourth full-time car. So they're open to it. They're open to running a full t- fourth full-time car. So it might not be entirely bad for Felix. Because, again, if the sponsorship's there, I think he'll have a seat next year. But that comes with a very, very massive but. 
because if he continues to drive this aggressively around his teammates, he's not going to be very favorable to sign to resign. Mm-mm. Nope. And now I understand he has to be aggressive though because he's got to win. He's got to break through. He's got to prove to everybody that he's not just the third best McLaren car, that he's not just the second best McLaren car, that he can be the best. Because, look, Pato is beating himself. Pato literally just beats himself most of the time. I mean, he can go out there and put that car on pole and have a really good photo shoot for the team, but good luck if he's around at the end of the race. You know, he might have led 50 laps, but he still finished 24th. You know, that's kind of how a standard Pato Award race can go. Rossi is still kind of getting his feet wet with McLaren, but he's coming into his own. He's running a lot better than he had with Andretti, and I think that there's a lot of potential there. Rosenquist has to step up, and he's trying. The problem is (laughs) Rossi's pretty darn good too, and I think they're pretty evenly matched. I hate to say it. Uh, And Rosenquist can be prone to doing kind of the same thing that a ward can do is get real aggressive towards the end of the race. Look what happened in the Indy 500. He got way too aggressive towards the end of the race. Mm-hmm. And it ended up costing him. I thought, I think, and, and I'll tell you why I say that, because I listened to his scanner right up until he crashed. Every single lap, he was begging his team. When can we go? When can we, when can I you know, go full rich. When can I go full throttle? When do I, when can I stop fuel saving to go for this? He's, he was begging them. I'm like, dude, the 20 laps, it's still a lot of race left. You know, there's still a lot of race left. And I was saying this with 25 laps, 30 laps left. I was like, dude, there's still a lot of race left. There's still a lot of race left. Just because it is your last stint, it doesn't mean the race is over, you know? And lo and behold, the last 20 laps took an hour, a little over an hour to complete. So I was right. I was right. And Rosenquist just got too aggressive late in the race instead of maintaining that patience that he needs in order to close out a race. Rossi has that ability. So when you see them fighting for position as hard as they were towards the end of that, it's because Rossi knows, hey, I'm going to have a good points day. This is a good position. I don't need to go crazy. I just need to bring the car home in one piece. You know, if we get a podium, great. Let's go. Rosenquist, on the other hand, is sitting here thinking, like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta prove myself. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And when you got a chip on your shoulder, you start doing a little couple of things you you probably w- wouldn't have done. So, it's a tough ask. It's a tough question to answer because it's really, it really just comes down to, can Felix Rosenquist not beat himself? If he doesn't beat himself... I don't think this rivalry with Rossi will matter, and I think that he'll have a spot no matter what. But if he keeps beating himself like this, it's going to turn this team sour on him, and I don't think it's going to play well for him in the future because, you know, teams will look at him and be like, all right, you've driven for Ganassi, now McLaren, you know, and you won some Formula E races, but what have you done for me lately? You know, you've got how many win IndyCar wins? One, two? One or two. I think he's exactly. won at Detroit and Mid Ohio, maybe. Maybe just Mid Ohio. I don't won, uh, ro- or what was it? Was it Mid Ohio or yeah? Or what was the race that he dueled Pelot in? 
Let's look it up right and, now. Hello, it was a, a racing reference. I uh, never mind. It's it's irrelevant to the point. The point. My main point is that the ro- uh, the rivalry with Rossi is not going to do it. It's Felix. It's Felix. So let's move on here to the penultimate question um, of the show. The Spanish Grand Prix's reputation was mended following circuit changes to the Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya. Do you upshift or downshift? that their reputation was indeed mended. I think mended is a very loose term. I will upshift. There was more passing in the Spanish Grand Prix than I can remember. Um, I think it's a lot of else had to do with the way that amazing how this the last couple of corners can change your complexion of a race. Um, but it did. I think it's still got a long way to go. I still don't think it's the best circuit in the world, but at least it was a more entertaining Spanish Grand Prix. I didn't get to watch it live. I was stuck on a tarmac for an airplane getting a software mended. Uh, Something I guess everyone wants to hear. Um, But, uh, yeah. Watching the highlights, looking afterwards, I think more passes passes I've seen in a while there, and I'm cool with that. I think it mended. It's not like you went from, oh my gosh, you had a giant gash in your hand to it's healed. But it's more like, it's gone from a cut to a Band-Aid is on, and it's healing with some Neosporin. That's where we're at with the Spanish Grand Prix, if that makes sense. I think it makes sense, and my answer to that is I am going to go ahead and give that a fair upshift because I... Look, man, it, w- it was better than, mo- any, than the recent Spanish Grand Prix. I mean, yeah, Verstappen still won by a large margin, but, you know... There was overtaking. There was overtaking, and um, it wasn't just done on pit road, pit lane. Uh, and I, I did think that you know be, a big part of that overtaking was you know fixing that that final that final uh, the, the final section of corners because again it just it made it easier to follow and to gain that draft and and then to have the DRS actually be usable. You know, there's some places where they say. DRS is, you know, the DRS zone is too long. I think in Barcelona, for the longest time, it wasn't long enough. <laughs> and that, But now, the change to the final corner has kind of made it long enough. So I think it did help. But still, the track itself is never... It's never put on great races. It's never put on spectacular races. I mean, the only memorable Spanish Grand Prix as I can remember are the one Alonso won... And that was like his last win for Ferrari to date still, I think. And then the one, Pastor Maldonado, did that oh, wow. weird, how did this even happen? I still don't even know how this happened. I still remember sitting in church and audibly shouting, what? In the well, middle of the service when I got that notification. I could not believe Max- Pastor Maldonado won that race. Max won his first race in there, right? Daddy did, yeah. I yeah. think so, yeah, you're right. But that, that, that race was not memorable. Let's not act like that race was memorable. I mean, just because uh, you remember well, who won doesn't mean you remember what happened in the race. I I remember who won the when uh, 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 Alonso and with Maldonado, but nothing, nothing really spectacular happened in those races. I was just asking. I, I know. Remember. Well, good for you. Good for you. I a lot of those uh, there was there's a lot of F1 races. 
that I remember who won, and I remember certain things that happened in there, but overall I remember them as being processionals or boring or not great, but eh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I think this was a good step step in the right direction. Yeah. I think I think that it, it, it definitely means that with the right the perfect storm, you could probably have a, a an actual memorable race at at Catalonia. All right, final question here. Final question here. Nashville, the Nashville Soccer Club, which is a stupid name for a soccer team. Um, your your literal team is the soccer club. Okay, go soccer clubs. That's what I'm going to chant. That's what I chant at your stupid games. Well, isn't Sorry, that what happens in, in, in Europe? It's just like... No, tough. they give them at the very least nicknames. Okay. You know, like Tottenham Hotspur doesn't make any sense, but we call them the Spurs. Okay, we call them Spurs. We say go Spurs, right? Okay. okay, but then, but then this, this Nashville SC. What is their name? What, what is their actual name? The SCs. Nashville. SC. It's so it's stupid. It's soccer club. The MLS can't even be uniform. Like some names are FC, some names are SC. And then you got the new Montreal name thing, calling themselves the CF because they gotta be French about it. So they got to do how all the teams are in the the, the city A or whatever in in France. So they got to name their things. Stupid. MLS is stupid. Half these teams are gonna fold after the soccer boom dies. And I say this fully excited for Indy Eleven. Whatever. So Nashville SC and their stupid name has expressed concerns about Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway being renovated as the two stadiums would be in competition for events. While the Nashville Predators CEO, see, that's an actual name, go Preds, uh, expressed his support for the Speedway's restoration. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I mean, it's hard. I, I think um, it's kind of a double one, right? I think the the, the soccer club one, you got to downshift because I understand where they're coming from. A, you're late in the game to start expressing concerns, Right. But B, I think on the surface, I could see, like, yeah, we're going to be a competition for events. But I think when you look at, like, singers, I don't see a country music singer going to a soccer stadium and singing myself. Fairgrounds is going to be a little bit more country. And even then, an arena like the Bridgestones arena where the Predators play is probably going to be more preferable, one of the two. I I propose Blake Shelton sing Bringing Back the Sunshine at Nashville Fairgrounds. Sounds like a great idea. Um, and your car shows. They ain't going to be in, uh, that, that's not going to be in a soccer stadium. I mean, that, that just doesn't, that, that does not go well together there at all. That That's oil and water. Um, so that'll be at the fairgrounds. Um, a flea mark. I don't know what they have planned for. Well, events kind of go there, but I, I don't think you're going to be in strict competition. I think you're going to have one's going to have one clientele group, and the other one's going to have another clientele group. But then again, I then I'm happy to say, like, all right, hey, Nashville, thanks for the predators, thanks for voicing your support, even though I think you would have more of a musical competition between the two. So, yeah, I I think uh, soccer club 
get off your high horse. And I say that kindly. With yeah. all the love and respect I have for the game of football. Well, I just think this... I just think this concern is kind of dumb. Because, look, we're, we're talking about three cons- completely separate groups of people that we're trying to appeal to. All right? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be some overlap. There's going to be some overlap, but it's not like people are going to, ha- like, going to have a hard time choosing. Do I go to the race or do I go to the soccer game? Like, what? Even no. then, you're not going to have a soccer game the same day as a race. That's going to get worked out. No. There's no like, way. And, 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 and even in that case, and even in that case, if people are seriously, the people who are seriously thinking to themselves, what do I go to, the soccer game or the race? I can almost guarantee you that 95% of those people that are questioning that are probably going to pick whatever is most interesting to them. So it's completely going to be subjective anyway. Yeah. Okay? It's, it's, it's entirely subjective. And, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. It's, it's, they're acting like this, that this competition for events is so ridiculous. You guys are – they're acting as if other cities don't build their football and baseball stadiums near each other. Like Kansas City has figured this out. Arrowhead yeah. Stadium and Kauffman Stadium are right next to each other, and neither of them are concerned about stealing events from one another. Philadelphia is for like three sporting things are yeah. all right next to each other. Philadelphia has got it is another good example. Yeah. Uh, you know th- that I mean I'm just like, what is what? This doesn't seem like a real concern to me. Like because as you mentioned, I mean if we're talking about like trying to vie for what for concerts, are we forgetting we're in Nashville? You could probably play way better venues anyway than a racetrack and a soccer stadium. In all honesty, they'd probably prefer to go play at the Bridgestone Center because the acoustics will be better, and it'll be indoors. And you'd have, yeah, that, yeah. Like, I don't know know where this concern is. Like, what? Again, they're jumping into this thing really late in the game. Never heard one thing from the soccer club or soccer stadium since this Nashville Fairgrounds renovation has been coming up, and then all of a sudden. It gets through the fair board. It's going to the city board. It looks like it's eventually going to get passed. And now they're like, okay, we're 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 all concerned now. I mean, come on. Right? You're not concerned. Look again. Look at all the other cities that have their stadiums right next to each other. Yeah, they do not have that worry. The teams involved are not worried. Nope. Okay. They're- they're just not worried, okay? Um, they're literally—I mean, look—I mean, even Vegas. Look at what Vegas is doing. I mean, they're building down further on the strip. They're building the the football stadium. They're gonna have the baseball stadium. They built uh, an arena for their women's basketball team, which is still cool. Um, an entire uh, an entire arena just for the Las Vegas Aces, and they already got T-Mobile Arena for the uh for the um for the nice. Golden Knights. So it's like. Don't you think the Golden Knights would have had a problem with the Aces getting their own stadium? No. I don't even think they cared. No. Exactly. So, again, there's, I, I just, I have listed at least, we have listed at least three cities that have stadiums within close proximity to one another 
cl- arguably closer proximity than this would be even. Hey, even Indianapolis. Oh yeah, dude, it. you can walk. You can you can it's not that far of a walk from Lucas Oil Stadium to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Or or the baseball or field. Or Victory Field. Victory Field, you're right. They're all within walking distance of each other. And the new and the new soccer stadium is going to be within walking distance too. And there you go, you're right. You you don't see the Colts worried about the new soccer stadium taking away events from Lucas Oil. They're not worried about that. You really think Monster Jam or DCI or something is going to go to the 11 Stadium? No. No, they're not. That's not a worry. And it's, it, it, these are stadium. This is these aren't racetracks. Racetracks are for racing. They're not I mean, outside of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, how many Place how many racetracks just hold standalone concerts? Not very many anymore. Uh, and even uh, IMS has stopped doing the standalone stuff. They stopped the Legends Day concert. They moved actually they actually moved that to the lawn, White River Park. Um and and they did the, the Rolling Stones concert a couple of years ago, several years ago. Um it feels like recently, but it was actually years ago. Uh but and that was that was a success, but they eventually des- decided against continuing to do that. Like I said, if IMS is literally saying, yeah, concerts, they're cool for the race, but people don't exactly come to the track for concerts. If IMS has figured this out, I don't know what Nashville Super Soccer Club is worried about. I, 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 I have an opinion, but I'll keep it to myself. No, I, well, the opinion is that they have a stupid name and they should have spent more than five seconds coming up with an actual nickname. Like, I mean, come on. How, how you, you got the Nashville Sounds as your, your um, minor league baseball team, and you're really going to sit here and tell me you can't come up with a... With, with, I mean, you, there's so many... Name them the Nashville Dollies for all I care. Name it after Dolly Parton. Why not? I like Dolly Parton. I love her. Josh, don't give me that look. In this case, we respect well, that's Dolly. actually not the worst name in the world that you could have come up with. So that's I actually just, quite impressive. I just pulled it out of my butt, man. I just came that up with I thought about what's what's popular in Nashville. That's Dolly Parton. Yeah, Nashville Dollies. There you go. I was thinking Nashville Tunes. Tunes, there you go. That's also a good one. That's also see, we just came up we spent more time. We spent 30 seconds coming up with a name for this team. They spent more time, clearly, worrying about what the fairgrounds was doing and less time coming up with an actual team name. Yeah, whatever. Uh, MLS teams really need to stop ditching their nicknames. Because they do that. They do this all the time. Before I get into the weekend wrap-up, I just want to say this. MLS teams are so stupid for doing this. I hate this. Why do they all drop? They either They either drop their nickname and replace it with SC or FC, or they just add SC or FC onto the edge of their name and then ruin their logos. Example A, Chicago Fire. Destroyed that logo. That logo is awful. It is garbage. It is the worst logo I have ever seen a major sporting team use, and they think that people are okay with it. You know, the Columbus Crew, which is an actual MLS team that matters because they have an actual nickname and an actual dedicated fan base, fan base, uh, they attempted to change their logo, and the fan base threw fit and basically wouldn't let them. Chicago did the same thing, but they still changed the, the logo. They shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't have done it. MLS, you need to put your foot down and stop your, these teams from making these terrible decisions. 
okay? Because as a, as a fan looking for some soccer, these things put me off. And they're dumb, petty things to be put off by soccer for, but I do. And this is why I watch still English Premier League. All right, weekend wrap-up. Let's talk about the weekend wrap-up because there was some things, a lot of things happening. This was a packed weekend of racing. We had our own little, we had a second, we had Racemus Part 2, which is never as good as the original, but unless it's Toy Story 2. Um, or the second Indiana Jones, the second Star Wars. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, but not, not in this case. More so of a diet race, Racemus again. Racemus Zero Sugar. Uh, Formula E was in Jakarta. And uh, race one was won by Pascal Verlein, and race two was won by Max Gunter. Um, I enjoyed trying to watch the Formula E races again. They were, of course, tape delayed on CBS Sports Network. Again, the races are at 4 a.m. What are you airing at 4 a.m.? Why do you need to tape delay them? Like I, like, I don't mind you tape delaying them and airing them later in the day, but you still have to air them live. Seriously. I don't know. Uh, anyway, and then uh, Formula One... Went to Spain, that Spanish Grand Prix. Max Verstappen literally dominated. I mean, he was in a Sunday zone. Um, dude literally got the black and white flags and still won by, what, at least over 10 seconds, maybe. Yeah, it was, Even with it the was, penalty. It was substantial. It was, it was a spanking, truly spanking the field there. Uh, but, hey, um, uh, another, uh, finally, uh, both Mercedes drivers on the podium. George Russell and Lewis Hamilton won the podium. So that's always a positive. Always positive take. Hey, hey, man. I am always down with Verstappen v. Hamilton Part 2, and this time I hope it actually ends fairly. That's what I'll say. So I'm all for Mercedes getting better. Uh, I, I love it from a competition standpoint and also because I just want Lewis to get his eighth championship. And I... I a lot of people might look at me and be like, why, why do you want that? Why do you want that? Are you a Hamilton fan or something? Not necessarily. I just am so sick and tired of every single like major driver not named Frank Kimmel or John Force always getting stopped at seven championships. I just want Hamilton to be the guy who breaks through and gets that eighth, does something that Schumacher couldn't do, something that Dale Earnhardt couldn't do, something that Richard Petty, Jimmy Johnson, like things that these people at the top of their level of their game could not do. You know, winning seven championships or something is probably arguably as harder as winning four Indy 500s. So Hamilton winning an eighth championship would, would be like Elio winning a fifth Indy 500 or something. It, it, it's just like I want it to happen because it's never happened before, and I'm sick and tired of it always stopping on this one number. Like you think that that seventh championship is always this hurdle that no one will ever be able to overcome, and I just want to see Hamilton do it because I know he can. So, no issues with Mercedes getting better. Uh, let's talk about some indie lights or NXT. It's called NXT now. Um, this was oh man, race one. Reese Gold won that race uh, because um, the leader, who was I believe Nolan Siegel at the time. Uh, had a mechanical problem. Drive shaft failed. With two corners left to go while he was leading. Poor guy had to pull off the track and lost the race. He, I, think he, I think he finished like fifth or sixth or something. After taking the white flag in the lead. Yeah. Just that was, that brutal. Was, that was brutal. Yeah, so a Brutal lot. way. But he got redemption in race two. Nolan Siegel won race two. Uh, much better. 
much better result for him. So good to see kind of Indiana NXT Indie Lights. I'm still calling it Indie Lights. I'm calling it Indiana NXT just so people know what I'm saying, but it's Indie Lights. Uh, I'm kind of glad to see them go back to that um, to a doubleheader format. It's just it's just more normal for feeder series to do doubleheader. It gets the drivers more seat time, provides more action for the fans. I've always been kind of disappointed when that they they went away with that and went to one race per weekend. It makes sense on ovals, but when you're doing road courses, I just think it's always better to have two races in a weekend. One on Saturday, one on Sunday. Uh, the IndyCar Series was in Detroit on the brand new Detroit Street Circuit, new for 2023 at least. Um, Alex Polo won that race. Like I said earlier, he was very vocal about the track, thinking that it was not great. Not great earlier in the season, but changed his tune in victory lane. <laughs> Um, but hey, he is, uh, he becomes the second driver to, uh, win two races in the IndyCar series this year, the first being Joseph Newgarden, so he's the first repeat winner, he's the second repeat winner, excuse me, um, and he is kind of on a roll, uh, he won the GMR Grand Prix, then he won the pole for Indy, uh, ran top five, or top ten after, um, you know, after, after a pit road mishap, and then, Comes right back here and, 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 and doms the field again. Wins from pole. Leads 74 laps, I think it was. Um, oh, you think Pelot's a favorite for the championship? Yeah, he is. I think so, too. I, 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 think, I think Erickson can make a chan, challenge charge, but he's got to start winning some more races. Yeah. He's got to start winning some more races. I think Erickson can do it, but for Erickson, I don't think consistency is going to be enough when Pelot's winning. No, he's gonna uh, have the, Yeah, the Arkham Menard Series West was at Portland. They had a thrilling finish. Holy moly, what a finish that was! And, and to be honest with you, though, oh boy, both of those races at Portland were bangers. Some of the most it, entertaining racing I've seen all season. Selfish plug here. Landon Lewis also won two races in a legend car at New Hampshire Motor Speedway the week prior. That's two not even a selfish plug. That's just awesome. Yeah, that's just cool. That's just a cool fact. That he did that, uh, and then beat Cole Custer in an ARCA race on the last lap. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. But you know, it's not all that bad for Cole Custer. It wasn't all that bad because he got his redemption in the Xfinity race on a last lap pass himself. Because Sheldon Creed and John Hunter couldn't keep uh, their bumpers off each other. Well, yes, but he passed Allgaier to do it. He did pass Allgaier. That's right. And he passed him clean. He passed him. I mean, it, look, it's always fun. It was. It's. I very much felt like Portland's race was kind of like a for Cole Custer. It was kind of like the long, long, long-awaited redemption for Canadian Tire Motorsports Park back in what fifteen, sixteen, uh, when that John Hunter wrecked him. Because John Hunter got got his karma. He got his fair share of karma for being being hard, and that Cole Custer, you know. Took advantage of the karma coming back to hit John Hunter yeah. and was able to make a clean, a clean pass on Olga. I think that was the most enjoyable part about that that whole race was just how clean Custer and Olga raced each other. And it was still good, close, hard racing. Like it wasn't, neither of them were taking cheap shots at him. Both of them wanted to win, but both of them didn't want to win more enough so much so that they were really to wreck the other. Yeah. You know, it was, it was just... It was a perfect race. It was, in all honesty, more, more reason why the Xfinity Series is just hands down the greatest series in NASCAR. 
I mean, it it really is. I mean, last week was a great race. Week before or two weeks before that was a great race. Like, man, I I just can't get over how fun it is to watch the Xfinity races this year. And hey, you know what? I'll say this: the truck race wasn't that bad either. Uh, the truck race was actually pretty entertaining uh, at Gateway, and Grant Enfinger got it done, and it's pretty cool to see Enfinger wrap up, rack up uh, already. Now, that's his second win of the season already. Um, yep. So that's huge for him, considering the fact that he, ju- he just barely made the playoffs last year, got it, uh, won at Indianapolis, and then kind of fell off after that. Uh, I'm kind of... Curious to see what uh, Enfinger can do the rest of the season. If he's have, I mean, he's now won at Kansas, which is a mile and a half, and now he's won here at Gateway, which is a relatively short oval. Kind of seems like those are the two good places to be. You know, those are the two kind of racetracks you want to be good at. Uh, so good, good to see Enfinger do that. And then the Cup Series, uh, Kyle Busch won from the pole, so. Everybody won from pole this week. Verstappen won from pole, Polo won from pole, and uh, Bush won from pole. Some people were asking if that had ever happened before, and I'm sure it has. I just don't rem- can't remember the last time. But but hey, man, cool. Cool to see Kyle Busch get that win. It's cool to see 3G back in victory lane, Carmel, Indiana Company. Uh, always always uh, big. In- you know what? Sorry, I like Indiana Companies, and uh, I'm always down for some good old Hoosier-grown hemp, right? Who's your hemp? There you go. Legalize it, Holcomb. Anyway, outstanding performance. Let's go, Josh. Who you got? You know, I'm going to give mine to Carson Hosevar uh, until his brake rotor said, no, you won't finish. Uh, Hosevar was running in the top 20, running 16th. So he was doing just as good as Corey LaJoy had been doing in the car. Um, he wasn't underperforming. He was doing right where he was supposed to be. And, you know, I don't know, you could say, well, what does that say about Corey LaJoy? I'm like, well, one more so, what does that say about Spire? You know, Spire's put a lot of effort into that seven car this year. And um, I think, you know, I hope Corey LaJoy says, man, you know, uh, I'm glad the guy was running well. I, I hope he doesn't, like, take, like, man, oh, man, I didn't need to worry about Carson taking my job. I don't think he needs to be worried about that. But Ty Carson- Dillon should be worried. It, yeah. Ty Dillon has way more reason to be worried at Spire than LaJoy does. I think LaJoy's ride is safe. It's Ty Dillon we got to worry about. Right. But uh, Carson Osvar, very impressive. I did not expect him to do that. I was more so expecting, I was going to say, if he finished the top 25, that's a good day. But he was running in the top 20, very, like, unknown, on merit. And, uh, you know, until his brake rotor just said, nope, you're done. And, uh, it was very, very unfortunate from that standpoint. So, um, uh, Rob, uh, who who you got? Yeah, this one's uh, got to be. I I don't know how you don't give this one to Cole Custer. I just the redemption. I mean, it he he. I mean, he got kind of got embarrassed in that Arca race. I mean, he's he's Cole Custer. You know, he's got a Cup win. He's got a bunch of Xfinity wins. You know, he's supposed he's to be a, able to come in there. A cup win. Oh, it's a win, dude. It's a win. I Justin know. Haley's got a cup win, and I ranted about that in one of our first shows. You did. You did so, do that. It is what it is. And he's win a max own. He's he's win a max own. And I said bad things about win a max own, and I shouldn't have, but I didn't say bad things about win a max own. I said bad things about Spire. Uh and the way they did business, but 
I've kind of forgotten about that. But no, really, seriously, Cole Custer getting redemption, that's just cool. That's just cool. I mean, I don't think I had him pegged to win that, that Xfinity race all day. And then right when it counted, but he was up front. You know, he never fell back. He never got too far behind. He was always right there. And right when it counted, he pounced. You know, he pounced. He did the patient, patience, patience, patience wins races. And he did it perfectly. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just feel good thing to, to see some, just, just to see someone get that redemption. Cause I gotta imagine it's, it was probably a little bit embarrassing to get beaten by someone who, like you said, was racing legend cars a couple weeks ago last week. You know what I mean? So yeah, good for Cole Custer. Good to see him get that, get that dub. And finally, finally, you know, it's, it'll help. I think, I think this is, this is now what he needed. You know, now he's going to keep getting momentum. Now he's going to keep building that momentum. I think we'll see him more more in victory lane um, as the season goes on. So, Josh, I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to you here in our last 10 minutes of the show, give or take. Uh, why don't you take us through your featured season this this week? What are, what are you uh, what are you taking us back to this year? Well, NBC forgot that uh, they were doing this little segment during the middle of the race. Rob, I don't know if you saw this. Where they kind of went over some inaugural races in like the last two decades or so, um, in the winners, and they brushed over James Hinchcliffe inaugural race win that occurred in 2015. So I thought I'd cover that uh, IndyCar season this week, and uh, the 2015 Verizon IndyCar Series spanned from March 29th to August 30th. Wow, what a short season that was! I mean, it's. Six, seven weeks better today than that it was, was the uh, season right after. I remember reading about it on racer.com and when it was still around, speed, speedtv.com, and just getting so pissed reading about how Mark Miles was listening to the Boston Consulting Group and how they told him, well, you got to end the season by Labor Day. So he moved all the dates up basically pissed off every single track except Indianapolis and pretty much damaged a whole ton of things. And I always said this, you know, I said this wouldn't happen if Randy Bernard was still in charge. And I still believe that that wouldn't have happened. We we, we would have been a totally different place if Randy Bernard was still in charge, but nobody liked him because he was doing, he was listening to the fans and not the drivers. He was doing what he was supposed to do and whatever. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I'll go. St. Petersburg kicked off the season with Juan Pablo Montoya and his number two team Penske uh, machine taking victory. Race two was that inaugural uh, uh, IndyCar Grand Prix of Louisiana at NOLA Motorsports Park. I remember like, oh, wow, we're going to NOLA. We're going to Louisiana. I was so excited. And then I remember being so excited watching practice for that race just because I was so curious because I'd never seen what the track was like before. I didn't know anything about the course, and it was just so cool to see IndyCars racing on this brand new course well, not brand new but this new course i'd never seen before still newer i mean it's not it wasn't very old when it was when they went there but rain just just said it said no you're not gonna have fun we're, we're gonna we're gonna just drop a ton of water down and the race was called early 47 to 75 laps were complete hinchcliffe was the winner and uh indycar has not returned to nola or louisiana since and kind of kind of sad which Long. is really weird. Like, I really thought that that was going to be a good... Yeah. It was going to be a good match for them in a new location, but I didn't realize just how hard it was to get it. Like, they had to shuttle people 
through like the marsh like like there was no on-site parking from what i remember i think everybody had to take a shuttle into the track yeah so i think that that was something that definitely killed the vibe a lot there well it's all about yeah how long's a shuttle how how efficient are they all that fun stuff so well long beach was race three and scott dixon captured the win it's his uh, only win in America's Monaco to date, but he does have a win there in Indy Lights uh, back in 2000. Uh, Barbara Motorsports Park was race four, but more importantly, his first career win for Joseph Newgarden, driving the number 67 Carpenter Fisher Hartman Racing Machine. The second installment of the Indy Car of the Indy Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was won by Will Power, and uh, which was race five of the year and was the first of three wins for willpower in the rate in the race's f- first six uh events which the other three were won by seven pagino so great it was a pagino you're like all right he's gonna win power pagino that's what it went the first many years there i think dixon became the first driver not to be named power pagino to win that race i believe that was correct yeah uh, the 99th Indianapolis 500 was race six, the duel between Penske teammates Power and Montoya. Uh, but it was JPM earning his second Indianapolis 500 victory at the end of the day. I remember watching that race um, from the in-car camera and on IndyCar radio. That's how I enjoyed that race, because obviously of the stupid blackout. Uh Races 7 and 8 were at the Detroit Bell Isle Circuit. Carlos Munoz won the first race and is his only, one and only career IndyCar victory. Uh, and then the second race was won by Sebastian Bourdais. Race 9 was Texas Motor Speedway. Scott Dixon won that one. Ne- Joseph Newgarden picked up career win number 2 in race 10 on the streets of Toronto. In uh, late June race 11, IndyCar visited Auto Club for what was proved to be the final time. Uh, Graham Rahal won, and it will be forever the final Open wheel winner at Fontana. And Robin Miller called it the greatest race that nobody saw. It was a great race for sure. But nobody saw it. There was nobody in the stands, basically. The stands were so sparse, it was depressing because it was literally the midsummer in Southern California during the day. Yes. And the only reason that happened was because Auto Club wanted to be the season finale and a night race. And then Mark Miles refused to let them ha- have that because he wouldn't let, uh, he didn't want a night race on the West Coast to end the series season because he felt it, because he was like, it's bad for the East Coast viewers, right? Or whatever. I, the I same literally thing. watched, the, I watched the, the, the couple before this that were season ending night races, man. Well, I always remember struggling to stay up for them. So. I, I kind of understood that, but I still thought it was stupid. I still preferred the season-ending night races. Um, and so they wanted to avoid that, and so then they told Fontana, okay, well, could we do it in August uh, and run it at night? And then they were like, no, we can't do it in August. It's still too hot. Nobody's going to come here. And they're like, okay, well, then when can we do it? And, and then they were like, all right, well, we got an opening in, like, July or August or whatever, and... And IndyCar was like, okay, let's do that. And like 300 people showed up. It was their own fault. They could have had maybe, you know, 25,000 show up for, you know, for a night race in October. But they chose not to. So it's their loss. And now now Auto Club is gone. And it's still their fault. 
Rob's very passionate. I won't go that far, but I'm very passionate with him on that one. Race 12 was at the Milwaukee Mile, which to date, hopefully that can change. It's the most recent race at the oldest operating racetrack in the United States for IndyCar. Sebastian Bourdais won that race. Captain America, Ryan Hunter Ray won in America's Heartland at Iowa Speedway. Uh, that was race 13. Middle Ohio was the 14th race. Graham Ray Hall won that one. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray returned to victory lane with the penultimate race of the season, race 15 at Pocono Raceway. Uh, then the season finale was at Sonoma Raceway, a California track. Uh, Scott Dixon won. He and Juan Pablo Montoya were tied in points, but the tiebreaker was uh, who had the most wins, and that race was Dixon's third, and Montoya was left with two. Montoya led the points all year long until basically the final lap of that race. That's got to suck. I remember thinking, man, this blows from JPM. Because I really I want JPM so to win that championship. Oh, he deserved the championship 100%. Yeah. The fact yeah. of the matter is that people, this is why people, I don't think they realize just how good one Pablo Montoya was. This guy literally didn't touch an American open wheel car for 15 years. And just plopped himself back in after a year in 2014. Mm-hmm. He won. He won at Pocono in the fastest 500-mile race ever at the time. I don't know if it still is, but I, at the time, I remember it was. And then came back the next year, won the Indy 500, set the record for a longest streak in longest time in between victories at 15 years, which I don't believe will ever be will ever be beaten. No. Uh, and then almost won the championship. And arguably, in my opinion, should have won the championship. Yeah. He should, because, and I'm still mad that he didn't win that championship because the next year was such a dismal season for him. And I always wonder, like, it had to have been just frustration from losing that championship. Right? Because I, I think if he won that championship, his 2016 has to go differently. Right? Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the rest of the uh, top 10 points were Will Power, Graham Ray Hall, wow, how times have changed, Elio Castro-Navis, Ryan Hunter-Ray, Joseph Newgard, Tony Canon, Marco Andretti, and Sebastian Bourdais. Those were the top 10, uh, rounding out the top 10 finishers and the points for that season. So, yeah, that was, that was IndyCar in 2015. Very man, I remember it. I covered, that was the year I covered my first Grand Prix and the first 500. Uh, I got to talk to Max Chilton. When he was still in Indy Lights, that was cool. Um, he was really nice to me. He's still nice to me. Uh, so, anyway. All right, let's, uh, let's look, take a look at what's in the windshield because the show is over. The show is over. If, if you've been listening this long, you just wasted two hours of your life. Congratulations. It's not a waste. We're fun to listen to, I promise. Uh, let's take a look. We're a little over a month away from the start of the 2023 SRX series. Uh, that will start on July 13th at Stafford Motor Speedway. Uh, we've got the sup next Supercars race will be at Hidden Valley Raceway on June 17th through the 18th. Um, Formula E will return at Portland. Hey! They're going, coming to Portland here. They're, so that, hey, the people, you know what? It's pretty cool. Those people in the uh, Pacific Northwest, those guys are um, really... Uh, those guys are really having a good couple of uh, weeks here for racing. So 
Cool to see them. Uh, Super Formula will also be back in action at Sugo on June 16th through 18th. So be sure to watch some Super Formula if you are paying for motorsport.tv. Formula One will take some time off here, and they'll go next to Montreal, Canada at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. Uh, coming up here in a week from now. Uh, and then the Arkham Art Series will be at Berlin Raceway in Michigan on June 17th. The East Series is still off until July 15th at Iowa. Uh, IndyCar will return on June 18th at Road America, and that'll surely be a great race. Always got to love IndyCar races at Road America. Uh, the Truck Series is going to take a couple of weeks off, but be back in action when the... When NASCAR rolls into Nashville Super Speedway uh, for the first race on NBC, though the truck series will still be on Fox, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Maybe we'll get double A to call more races. Who knows? Uh, The Xfinity Series and the Cup Series will race in Sonoma this weekend. I still think the Xfinity Series racing there is sacrilegious, but they are going to make their first ever trip out west, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, But rightfully so, the Arco, Arco West Series is at Sonoma, so... That's fine. That's natural. That's what should that that should be the traditional, you know, support series, if not the truck series. But all right, I would still prefer the Xfinity series just be, you know, at Watkins Glen, and not Sonoma. But bring bring the trucks back to Watkins Glen too. Uh, do that. Do that too. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, close up the show before I ramble on too much. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's show. We really, really appreciate it. If you made it this far, we really appreciate it. Uh, please let us know how our show is doing. If you got any any tips for us, feel free to um, you know give us a DM. You know, it's, it's your show too. Give us give us some uh, some feedback anytime you want, and uh, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast if you haven't already. We are available all over the place. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. Even we are on uh, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. Literally everywhere you get your podcast, we are probably. On there, I made sure to give our RSS feed to as many sites that will accept it. So you know, if you've got an Alexa or something, you can tell them, "Hey, play Robin Roller, play the latest Robin Roller on iHeartRadio." If you've got a Google Home, you say, "Hey Google, play the uh, latest Robin Roller on Google Podcasts." So those are options that you can do. So and uh, finally, go ahead and, and give us a follow on social media if you haven't already. The show is at our Robin Roller, spelled just as it sounds. That's R O B A N D R O L L E R. The show can be found at Rob, or excuse me, I already said that. <laughs> I can be found at R Peters 33. That's R R P E E T E R S 33. And then Josh can be found at Roller underscore 01, R O L L E R underscore 01. Have a great week, everybody, because there's going to be a lot more racing coming up, even though there's not a ton this week. Still, NASCAR's in Sonoma Wine Country still got a lot to do. So stick around for uh, next week's show, and we hope you enjoyed this week's show. For Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody.